Welcome to the Clone Saga Chronicles uh, 2.0 feed for, from SpideyDude.com. If you're listening to one of these older episodes, you'll hear references to our Podomatic website and a voicemail number, which is now defunct. So if you're a new listener who just found this uh, podcast, pay no mind to the links that we give out, like CloneSagaChronicles.Podomatic.com or a voicemail number. Enjoy this classic episode of Clone Saga Chronicles. Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I'm really in clones. I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. Dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Welcome back, my fellow clones. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host of the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. Joining me again this this particular edition is Bertoni Beetle. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing okay. Tired, but okay. Oh, good. Good, good to have you here. And uh, also joining me is Jason. He was on a couple episodes ago. Hi, uh, I'm back. Kind of like Sarah Silverman's career. I won't stay dead, no matter how try how hard you try and get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jason. And also joining us is a brand new uh, correspondent member of the panel, uh, Donovan Morgan Grant, a.k.a. Donovan Donald Mark. He's the co- co-host of the Spectacular Webs podcast. Welcome, sir. Hi, I'm real happy to be here and happy that you guys chose me to review these crazy comics. Yes, yes. <laughs> This is a particular, uh, particularly good month. As you can tell, there's only four of us in this episode. Gerard is sick, and Brandon is too damn busy. So uh, <laughs> those two guys could not be here today, but uh, we're glad to have the guys we have on. We were actually supposed to have several more people on, <laughs> including our regular panel, but uh, these guys stepped up, and uh, are, are hopefully well, this will be a little bit different experience than what you're used to. Uh, this particular edition, we're uh, reviewing Web of Spider-Man number two, or 123, sorry. Amazing Spider-Man number 400, Spectacular Spider-Man number 223, and Peter Parker, well, not soon to be Peter Parker, Spider-Man number 57. Let's give us uh, a couple of things off the top. We have a new iTunes review that I'll uh, read aloud. It's written by, is it Muty Scum? Yeah, okay. I have. Okay. Hmm. It's written by uh, a guy named Muty Scum now. Uh, maybe he just doesn't like mutants, or he is a mutant, and he's just really a scumbag. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he says, I usually don't write these reviews for podcasts, but after hearing an episode dedicating so much time to commenting on negative reviews, I thought it was necessary. Before hearing the 12-7 podcast, I would have rated this higher, but when you guys sounded so immature and petty when talking about others' opinions on the Internet. 
Stick to the clone saga and steer clear of rival podcast drama. It serves everyone better. Well, sir, uh, we do appreciate the comment. Uh, we do appreciate the three stars. You're our only three star review, so uh, you have that devious distinction. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to respond to negativity. I think Bertoni and I will agree. Mm-hmm. Right, sir? Yeah. Well, the thing is, there's a few different ways to go about negative reviews. You can either ignore them completely, which is what's the word I'm looking for? Is whitewashing the right word? Disingenuous. Yeah, disingenuous. Or you can read them and say, well, you, sir, are a butt face and your opinion doesn't count. So obviously if someone has a negative review, you know, they have some concerns that we're going to address. And I like to think that when we read those negative reviews, we address them. Um, if you didn't like the way that we did, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. Who knows? I mean, but we have to address them, you know, regardless, I think. Yeah. As for the podcast drama, I'm... I'm not sure if he's talking about, but I'm going to guess it's when we were talking about the Amazing Spider Cast for that, uh, like, brief time. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking about Jen and, and uh, yeah, the, the history her and I share and the failed reboot of Spidey.com. And, you know, it's, it's whatever. I don't hold Chris in any ill regard at all. <laughs> I think he's, he's just, you know, he's a good guy. I just, I just didn't, I didn't like his show. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed uh, Amazing Spider. Yeah. <laughs> I love how we're talking about this guy's review and we're basically bringing up the same drama that he didn't want us to do. But yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's relevant to say, you know, I I did like Amazing Spider Cast. It was a different experience than Spider Man Crawl Space, but you know, uh, they had a different format. But I I liked the alternative take. There was some things yeah, I liked I mean, and I, some things I, I didn't like, like with any podcast. Yeah. It's just like when we bring up Green Lantern on that other podcast. Oh, Green Lantern! <laughs> Sorry. Indeed. But anyway, you know, it's whatever. They glad he enjoyed us enough we, for we, three stars. Yeah, we, we yeah we, we're certainly we're, we appreciate the three stars more certainly more than the one star review we got that uh, that one time. But um, which is I think what he could also be referring to as. But you know what? It's uh, we're just trying to get better each episode. So, you know. Uh, we do appreciate you listening. Hope you, hopefully you're continuing to listen. So. Yeah. I know when I listen to podcasts, there's things I like and there's things I don't like. And there's no way that we're going to be able to please everybody 100% all the way. So, you know, sorry about the things you didn't like. Uh, I can say that we're going to try harder to change some of those things. Other things I can say. Uh, unfortunately, that's going to be the way that we do it. But, you know, thank you for listening. And I hope that you continue to listen and hopefully enjoy. But uh, like I said, we do appreciate your review, and uh, guys, keep submitting those on iTunes. Just go to iTunes, and, and when, if you're listening to us on iTunes, if you're not, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so leave us an iTunes review. You can also leave us an email. Uh, you can also leave us a, a voicemail number, which we will a voicemail which we'll leave at the very end of the show. So, all right, um, let's get on to the reviews, and we'll start out with Web of Spider-Man number one twenty-three. Mister Bertoni, will you give us the rundown, please? All right, this is the second half of Players and Pawns. Uh, for those of you who want to try and keep up with this hot mess, I'll just tell you guys what happened last month real quickly. Um, I got news for you, though. Even if I tell you what happened last month, this is still going to be murder to keep up with. Spider-Man's in a tussle with Kane because Kane gave Peter Parker some file saying that he's the real deal, and this confused Peter and upset Peter and the readers as well. The Jackal's attacking some YMCA or rec center that Flash Thompson's in, and Scarlet Spider's uh, there to save the day. 
So that's what's going on with our two spiders. Oh, uh, we also have a third Peter Park who's kind of wandering New York, amnesic, wondering what his true purpose is. And Jackal says that this is the real Peter Parker. So on to the rest of this hot mess. The Jackal tosses Scarlet Spider out of the rec center, noting that he's not the man he used to be. His moves aren't as agile. He's a little rusty. He's torturing Flash with a grinning mini-me Jack on his shoulder and noting how tormenting it must be. And how knowing, uh, and noting how tormenting it must be for Ben, as he has memories of Flash Thompson as Peter's friend. Flash is wanting to know why me, why me. And Flash is tossed across the gym, but safely caught in the webbing of the now recovered Scarlet Spider. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, is still pushing Kane to give him answers on why he gave Peter Parker the file. Uh, it says that Peter's the original, but Peter isn't convinced entirely of this anymore and wants to know what Kane's motives are. Kane says not to push him. Meanwhile, the genetic jackal monsters are becoming unstable and starting to degenerate. Warren forces a frightened Jack into battle, because Jack's like, oh god, this is going to happen to me. So Warren's like, hey, Jack, my monsters are gone. Why don't you do some of this fighting? But then the genetic monsters that haven't degenerated yet start to turn on on Jack, and they're going to attack him. But Scarlet Spider saves him. Jack wants to know how he can repay him, but Ben... But before Ben could finish telling him not to call him Scarlet Spider, Warren claws Ben in the back, despite a warning from Ben's spider sense. And, you know, just a brief aside here, we've had a history so far of Ben's spider sense not warning him or warning him and Ben disregarding it when someone attacks him from behind. It's going to become a very big issue later. The third Peter Parker has finally made his way to New York via hitchhiking. He has some memories of someone at a lab calling him Peter Parker, but he's still not quite sure what's going on. So he takes a nap in an alleyway. Spider-Man is still going after Kane. Kane wonders if causing this much confusion was the Jackal's plan all along. He gets mad about being a pawn and not a player and begins fighting back at the pursuing Spider-Man. Get it? Get it? You know, being a pawn and not a player. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, I see what you did there. That was a great pun, yeah, that the writers did. That, that That's actually their words, not, you know, me taking liberties. That's their words. Jackal's getting the upper hand on Scarlet Spider uh, while Flash is lowering the kids out of the building window, the safety in the background. Scarlet eventually overcomes most of his um clone doubts and fights back, you know, punching out the Jackal, knocking him out, because throughout the fight he's like, oh, maybe Warren's right, maybe I'm not a man, maybe I'm just a copy. He's like, no, I'm more than a clone, I'm a man. Boom, aha, I got you, Warren. Over at the hospital, May Parker awakes from her coma. The police are carting away to defeat a Jackal at Ravencroft. To Scarlet's surprise, Jackal thanks him. Professor Warren thinks about how he needs to get into Ravencroft to retrieve something of his that's there. Jack tries to evade capture, but Ben webs him. Uh, Jack, not Jackal, for those of you keeping track. Jack's the mini-me. He bargains for his freedom with a disc, which supposedly proves that Scarlet Spider's the real deal. So yes, that's right. We have another scene where uh, Kane had just given Peter a file saying that Peter's the real deal, while we have this scene where there's a disc saying that Scarlet's the real deal. Jackal, who's still being carted off, activates a button, which makes the little mini-me Jack degenerate, melt, and die. But before he dies, he's able to at least hand-bend the disc. Kane grows tired of the fights with Spider-Man and throws Spider-Man off the rooftop. By the time Spidey swings back up, Kane has already disappeared. The doctors are examining the now-conscious but weak and uh, non-verbal Aunt May. They decide the best medicine for her is family and that they should bring in Peter or Mary Jane. May is able to vocalize a very quick, Hurry, Peter! That is a very bad impression of an old woman. Yeah. 
Ben is at the smokestack again for the first time since the original Clone Saga. This would be the infamous smokestack that uh, Peter tossed Ben into uh, five years ago, Marvel time, when he thought Ben Riley was dead. He looks at the disc and ponders its implications. He decides it could just be another one of Warren's mind games, so he chucks it into the ocean, which uh, you had the smokestack right there behind you. <laughs> and as he's chucking that thing into the ocean, he screams and declares, I'm not Peter Parker! wonder if anyone heard him. <laughs> he decides to be happy with it. It's like, wow, are you really trying to, like, throw us off track of your secret identity? Like, can you imagine just, like, Spider-Man or, like, you're, like, in New York and you hear somebody scream, like, a vigilante, I'm not Peter Parker. Daredevil all over again. Yeah. He decides to be happy with who he is as he swings off. We get three panels where we find out that Jacob Raven's murder warrant is being held up in paperwork. Which, uh, it's been held up in every single issue. Just get on with it already. And we close off with the third Peter Parker. He awakes from his sleep by some thugs trying to attack him. His spider sense and instincts take over and defend him. Which, but this only causes more confusion for the poor amnesic Parker, who wonders who he is as we close off Players and Pawns. I really like this issue. Um, I don't know, I don't know if that'll be the only opinion, but, you know, Getting back in the mindset of the Clone Saga, which is, um, that's, I'm like you, Zach, that's the era of Spider-Man I was introduced to when I was really young. It was just fun to, to read this, like, totally 90s comic book. And even though it, the, the 90s has a prior or negative connotation these days, it was just, it was entertaining, and that's what comics are all about. I like the art. Um, Stephen Butler, right? Yes. Stephen Butler. Okay, um, yeah, uh, I agree with what you said on a Crawl Space podcast. He's, he's an underrated artist. I see some Bagley in him, and um, you'll hear my thoughts on Bagley soon. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think at that point, you uh, everybody was aping Bagley, except for uh, Spectacular. <laughs> oh, well, aping Bagley is no bad thing <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, no. I thought some, some things I thought were just really funny, and like they were kind of 90s cheese, like, the first time in this issue you see the, the third Peter Parker clone, he has a gigantic collar just popped. And he's just like standing there like, you know, stiff rimrod. And it just looks, it really looks stupid, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fun because it's the clone saga. Um, I like it's, the fact that. It's the uh, 80s Nightwing costume. Oh, God. <laughs> George Perez, what have you done? Well, <laughs> I also like the fact that, um, um, the doctor who was tending Aunt May was basically Dr. Good and Sexy from Futurama, and that she was too hot to be a doctor. Um, well, that probably sounds bad. Well, she was hot, then, you know, mostly everybody else in the book because Mary Jane wasn't there. Um, I really liked the fight between Kane and Spider-Man, um, basically because it just... I, I love how Kane with... Spider-Man was kind of holding his own for a while, even though Kane was, had a slight edge over him, and then out of nowhere, Kane's like, all right, I'm in this fight, and just... Just, just totally dominates him. Basically, he does a crawler assault from Marvel vs. Capcom in the fact that he just, that one panel, he's all over him, just and throws him down on the lower roof. I thought that was really great. Um, I did, I did wonder, I think this probably goes back to a previous issue, which I kind of missed out on. Um, why is Peter so, so, um, not ready to believe that he's the real one? Why is he like, this says I'm the real one, but I don't believe it. What's up with that? Did I miss something? Um, Players and Pawns Part 1 kind of made him question a little bit. Um, As did Smoke smoke and Mirrors. Smoke and Mirrors. I mean, I I consider uh, Players and Pawns and Smoke and Mirrors to be one big five-part story. (laughs) Uh, Because they were one right after the other. um, But 
it seemed like, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's because smoke and mirrors and players and pawns kind of made him question a little bit. Uh, Jackal actually had the implication that they're both clones. So. Uh, oh, no, that, that's, that's right. That's right. Uh, 56. <laughs> My first issue of Spider-Man that you gave an F to. <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. Um, okay, um, so yeah, I liked it. Uh, do you want me to give my grade now or later? Yeah, give your grade now. Alright, I give this a solid B. It was very entertaining and I liked it a lot. Okay, well, there you go. Alright, uh, Jason, what's your thoughts? Uh, I, I did not really care for this issue. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, I always thought Terry Kavanaugh was, was the weakest of the writers working on the Clone oh. Saga. <laughs> <laughs> He's the weak. He was one of. The, he was probably one of the weakest writers of the nineties. Let's, let's yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to be kind, but you know what? Um, the art. You trying fine. to be kind? Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm sorry. What? You trying to be nice? You're from you're Detroit. Right, you're uh, right. It, this is true. It's, uh, anyway, the di- well, first of all, the dialogue was just awful. Terry Kavanaugh cannot write dialogue. I'll admit that the fight between uh, Peter and Kane was cool because I like Kane, but but the jackal with mini me jackal was just so god awful. I don't even know how to describe it. it well, Glenn Greenberg was, hates you now because that was one of his favorite characters. You know what? I don't care what what Glenn Greenberg or whatever his name is thinks. Whatever. My, my other problem is I like Jackal, but he, here he's acting nothing like. He did in the seventies, but that's a different issue. Oh. The other thing, uh, the new Peter Parker is is it drags it down for me because I know where that's going to lead to, and it doesn't end well. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, I'm going to give this a D. I the art was fine, but the writing was just awful. Well, we have that cover. It says uh, "True Lies" on it. Um, I probably could have done a simple Wikipedia search to check, but I was like, hey, that was a semi-big movie in the 90s. Was this before or after that? So, it would have been before. It would have been before. No, what I thought it? it was 93. Uh, that, True Lies came out in 91, didn't it? No, no True Lies came out like 95. All right, I'm going on Wikipedia right now. I thought it came which out I should have done when I took these. <laughs> 1994. What month okay. of 1994? Dang. Ha. Directed well, by James Cameron. July. Yes. July, July, so... uh Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, this was uh, April. Okay, so true lies. So I guess that that was a reference to the movie. Oh, nineties! How we love you. If you read this right after you read part one of Players and Pawns, you notice a big quality improvement with the artwork. Because Stephen Butler was, oh my god, just the inking last issue was horrible. I mean, I love Sal Buscema, but you know, with Players and Pawns part one, I mean. I think you can only blame Bill Skunovich or whatever, Sunovich, so much. I mean, I think Sinkavich. I think that Sal lost it towards the end. I love Sal, and Spectacular 200 has awesome art, but Sal was losing it towards the Clone Saga, and the inking was so dark and so horrible. This was a noticeable difference. Uh, Again, I think that as much as we complain about the way the brain trust or the webheads work today, I think that they are at least more communicating with each other than the writers were back here. Because I get really? the sense – well, yeah, because it's just from story to story. Stuff that a previous writer said is like forgotten about and another writer brings it up. Like last issue. So that hasn't happened in Brand New Day at all. Uh, we're we going to get some one-star reviews if we start talking about Brand New Day. I mean, because when you talk about Brand New Day, you're going to piss off one side one way or the other. 
Okay, so, uh, yeah, because Peter, like, last issue, you know, Spider-Man's like, okay, why did you give Peter Parker that file, Kane? You know, because he doesn't want Kane to know that he's Peter Parker, even though you'd have to think, um, Kane would obviously know who Peter is from Peter's point of view, because why would Kane think that the Jackal would clone some ordinary person? But, you know, but this issue, you know, Spider-Man's, like, dropping the ball, and he's like, okay, yeah, um, you know, why'd you give me, as Peter Parker, that file? And then Kane's whole player, not a pawn, I had that little note, I see what you did there, uh, was great to see Aunt May waking up. We got some forward, you know, movement in that storyline. The Jackal, he's in a steel jacket, being carted away. How is he able to, like, activate this secret button and kill Jack if he's, you know, supposedly being carted away in the steel jacket? Come on. Did he snap his fingers? Yeah. Well, when you read, yeah, he, he could snap his. I, I was under the impression they pushed a button. I'll have to look at the panel closely. But if yeah, he, he snapped his fingers, that's stupid. He snaps. Uh-huh. That, that's that's something that's consistent throughout the Clone Saga. He snaps his fingers. Is that like? That's even dumber then. <laughs> so, <laughs> so is it like finger activated? Like, what if the jackal, like you know, was like whistling and snapping his fingers, walking down the street? Would like a bunch of clones just degenerate? How do you get clones to degenerate at the snap of a finger? It's it was probably it was probably a, <laughs> a, a, it, it's science. We don't have to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the clone saga. We don't have to explain it. Should be like. Now, the actress retcon is even worse when you read some of the Aunt May dialogue and stuff here, which is as I've been saying all along. By the way, the doctor, when they're like examining Aunt May, it's like, you know, I think that the best medicine for her is calling Peter and Mary Jane. Let's call her now. Shouldn't you have called her when May first awoke from her coma? You're just realizing this like pages and pages later. Yeah. Um, I, I love the life. Um, there's that splash page after Ben throws the um, disc into the ocean where he says life is for the living. A great Stephen Butler Scarlet Spider splash page. That was awesome. There's kind of some symmetry there because Peter had test results from the first Clone Saga, which he refused to read and threw away. And you, and you got Ben doing the same thing now, too, so I kind of like that. Uh, but the whole delay of the Jacob Ravens you know, subplot is just getting redunculous. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, we get like a subplot page to say, okay, the murder warrant is almost ready. We just got to go through paperwork now. <laughs> I, I feel like um, with Players and Pawns, they finished Smoke and Mirrors, but they still had a few issues left before they got to Amazing 400. So they this this whole thing feels like padding. And like Zach said, yeah, this is basically Smoke and Mirrors, you know, the sequel. They should have just, you know, maybe trimmed one or two issues and then made this one big, you know, uh, story arc. I did like the Parker Dies blurb for uh, the next issue. That kind of makes you curious. All in all, I'm going to have to say C. You know, the artwork's better. There's an improvement, but there's just so much redunculous stuff. Okay, what's, uh, Jason, what was your grade? D. And I would yeah. like to further ask the question, who decided it would be a good idea to let Terry Kavanaugh write in the first place? Terry Kavanaugh? Uh, Tom DeFalco. See, I love Tom DeFalco, but he's too nice. Sometimes. <laughs> Dude, did you read those bullpen bit cartoons from the 90s? They had him, like, portrayed as, like, the devil in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I, I can't I can't find it in me to, dis- to insult Tom DeFalco. I can't. Okay. Okay. Well, here it is. Drumroll, please. My review of 123. I actually didn't didn't think this was a terrible issue. 
Um, artwork is a solid A. Um, a for awesome. <laughs> the uh, Aunt May bit, uh, the only thing I didn't like was how old they made Aunt May look. She looks like she's oh, yeah. She look, I know that's like a dickoish thing. Like, yeah, she looks she looks pretty pretty old. Kane and Ben, uh, Ben fighting the little the little man. That was pretty good. Uh, the the random monsters. I think we complained about this last issue, but uh, <sighs> those weren't very fun. But uh, like you say, the dialogue was pretty poor throughout this. Um, artwork, like I say, was a significant upgrade over part one. But um, all in all, I'm going to give this a solid. C. Solid C. Highest you know, grade comes from Donovan. Yeah, the highest grade comes from Donovan. It's just, it's just, it, sorry. <laughs> I, I would give, I would give the, um, uh, it's a madhouse. The Mad writing house. probably a D minus, close to an F, but, uh, <laughs> but, wow. so the A, you know, on, for art really, really makes this book a lot better than it really was. So, uh, our final grades on that were B. D, C, and C. So now to an even worse issue. What? Oh yes. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now here is another drum roll, please. <laughs> Number four hundred of Amazing Spider-Man, the four hundredth issue oh. of ASM. It is the big one. It's the big milestone issue that uh, features cover and artwork by Mark Bagley. Well, every single one of the. Uh, Stories are, are written by J.M.D. Mateus with the help by Stan Lee on the on one particular backup. But uh, the artists on this are Mark Bagley, John Romita Jr., and Tom Grummet. So, uh, Bertoni, give us the rundown of this issue. Yeah, this is the death of one of the most important characters in the Spider-Man universe, the actress that impersonated Aunt May during her <laughs> 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 okay, okay, let's be let's be fair, folks. Let's be fair to the folks that are this was the most important issue you went to. I like it. It's funny until, because it's true. <laughs> well, yeah. The um the, the the everybody really thought this was Aunt May, so Let's not talk about that red gun, because that was awful. You know what when I when I when I reread this Aunt May when D. Mateus wrote it. Yes, and, and when I reread this, I I thought of it as Aunt May. So yeah, yeah. So go ahead and give the rundown of. <laughs> we start off. Spider-Man is swinging to the hospital in a hurry. He's responding to a call that was made to him about the change in his Aunt May's condition. The doctor is surprised at the speed it took Peter to get to the hospital, but shows him the May's room. May is awake, and Peter is overjoyed to see her. Their heartfelt reunion is interrupted, though, when a doctor tells May she needs to stay for a few more tests. But she's not having any of this. She demands that they let Peter take her home in the morning. Scarlet Spider is watching things through the window, but only Peter can see him. Peter shoots him a very dirty look, which uh, Mark Bagley, on the arts, you know, got down great. Because uh, he's worried about what would happen if Aunt May saw him, because Peter thinks that Aunt May is going to have a heart attack if she sees, you know, anything. <laughs> so Scarlet Spider swings away feeling guilty and kind of excluded from the Parker family. He also remembers that May's condition was the only thing that brought him back to New York in the first place, and now that she's uh, okay, he doesn't really know what to do. He briefly sees Kane lurking in the shadows, because that's, that's how Kane rolls, but then Kane disappears after the lightning. I'm Kane. I look in the shadows. Over in Ravencroft, the Jackal plays some mind games with the guard by switching between his crazy persona and then informing the guard that it's only an act and that he's only doing it so everyone will underestimate him. 
And then he goes back about, uh, and then he talks about how cunning he is. Then he goes back to the scary persona about how he's going to rip the guard's eyeballs out, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Peter brings Aunt May home where Mary Jane greets them after a day of cleaning. Aunt May can tell right away from looking at Mary Jane that she is pregnant. And she's like, it's my intuition. Uh, speaking of, of Aunt May's intuition, um, I'm going to talk more about that in the notes, but Aunt May is full of BS right there. She tells them, <laughs> yeah, well, she tells them that there is no greater responsibility than raising a family, but she starts to get tired, and MJ helps her go upstairs to rest. After the Parker women retreat upstairs, Ben shows up as in full costume, requesting to talk to Peter outside. They go outside, and Peter's now in his Spider-Man outfit, by the way, and Ben tells Peter that he's leaving, and he says, Peter, don't even pretend that you're not relieved that I'm going. Peter brings up the recent questions that the Jackal raised about who's the real one and who's the clone, but... Ben dismisses it, saying that they both know that Peter's the real deal and that Ben's the clone. Tells Peter not to look for him because he won't be hearing from him again. Upstairs, Mary Jane is kind of tucking Aunt May in, helping her go to bed. And they reminisce about how hard it was for Aunt May and Aunt Anna to set up Peter and MJ all those years ago. And Aunt May imparts some wisdom upon Mary Jane about how friendship is the most important part of marriage. And how happy she is that uh, Peter chose her to be his bride. Outside of the Parker house, Mr. Knocked from the host is taking notes and surveying the home. He reports back to Traveler and Medea, who, uh, from the body language, from something that Traveler says to her, it appears that Medea and Traveler bang sometimes. Kind of interesting. Medea wants to strike at the Parkers now, but Traveler says, no, wait. So yay, Traveler's back. Didn't we all miss him? Yay. <laughs> Ben is having problems packing and moving on, especially when he sees a Spider-Man outfit uh, that he gets ready to pack. He remembers Janine for the first time in the saga. We don't get a context of who she is at this point, but she's a person that's going to become very, very important, particularly when we get to the Lost Years. The third amnesic Peter Parker is approaching is approached by a cop who thinks that he's a drunk. When he attempts to arrest him, his instincts kick in and he wall crawls away, uh, with shoes. Just saying. One week later, Peter and May visit the Empire State Building. Uh, the captions tell us that a week passed, which is important when we review another issue. I keep on saying when it's this is going to become important. A lot of things become important in 400, can't you tell? She admires the view and asks Peter what it's like to swing through the city. And I am not doing this scene justice in my recap here, but uh, I encourage you all to go read it for yourself. But Peter's obviously confused. And Aunt May reveals that she knows, that she's known for a long time, but that she always denied to herself that Peter's Spider-Man. He's taken taken aback and tries to explain why he lied, but she understands. And she says that she's proud of him, and Uncle Ben would be too. She then gets very, very tired and starts to collapse, feeling that she pushed herself a bit too much today. May's in her bed that night at the Parker home, and Peter says that he's called a doctor to check on the sudden fever that she has. But Mary Jane says, no, no doctors, no Mary Jane, no Aunt Anna, this is just our time. She then tells Peter that it's been her time and that the extra week that she got to spend with Peter was a gift so that they can say their goodbyes and that it's her time to go. Peter then tells her about the dream that he had. Um, a few during Web of Death when he was in his little coma about Aunt May and how she was there to guide him. And then as Aunt May... Uh, slips in the death, Peter repeats the words that she says, second to the right, straight on till morning. 
as Mary Jane and Anna walk into the room behind him, and they all start crying over the dead body of Aunt May in the bed. Then Riley is alone on the roof as the Scarlet Spider grieving and crying as he's witnessed this too. We go to Aunt May's funeral, which is attended by Liz, uh, the people that we can see in the background. We see Liz with Normie, someone who looks like Randy, it's hard to tell, Ben Yurick, Marla and Jonah, um, a brunette who I'm going to assume is Betty Brandt, Flash Thompson and Felicia Hardy, Antana and Robbie. And uh, we get some silent panels, and we see her tombstone has the inscription, Mae Parker, she taught us love, which is uh, fitting because she's being buried next to Uncle Ben, who's uh, who, his tombstone says he was loved. Uh, it's kind of like she's one-upping him, though. It's like Ben Parker, he was loved. But Mae Parker, ooh, she taught us love. You know, she's got to outdo the whole tombstone thing. Peter's visited by Raven, Jacob Raven, after the wake, who informs him that he's being arrested for first-degree murder. As Peter... Uh, yeah, yeah. D- go ahead, Donovan. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. No! As Peter's being dragged away into the cop car, he looks up at the roof, and he sees the Scarlet Spider on there looking at him, and there's kind of a silent look between him, as Peter's like, wait a second, did you do this? <laughs> MJ1... <laughs> Donovan, you gotta start doing captions for these, I swear. Mary Jane wonders who the call. She's thinking, Murdoch, no, 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 Murdoch's dead, as Matt Murdoch, you know, told us a million times during Web of, uh, was it Web of Death? It wasn't Matt Murdoch, it was Daredevil, because no, Murdoch's was dead. Back, back, back from the edge, yeah, back from the edge. He's like, no, his partner, what's his name? And I'm screaming at Mary Jane, it's Foggy Nelson, but it's a comic book, so she can't hear me. Then she thinks about calling Robbie, but then she decides to go to the police station for Peter. But before she can, she's uh, face-to-face with the Scarlet Spider, who stops Mary Jane, unmasks himself, and saying, I think it's time that we meet face-to-face. Uh, there are, And that's the cliffhanger. We do get two backups in this issue. One of them we're going to cover later because it's kind of a prequel to The Lost Years. I, I will just mention this real quickly. The art is done by John Romita Jr., and it's his return to the Spider-Man books. So. Yay! With inks. Inks by Sr. Yeah. Uh, the first two parts, but the final part does not have... It's a family reunion. And uh, we do get a backup um, by uh, Ton Grummitz, who's one of my favorite uh, writers. He did a lot of the Batman, and he did some Batman, uh, Robin, and Superboy books in the 90s that I liked. Uh, It's basically the morning after Peter caught the burglar um, from Amazing Fantasy 15. It's a flashback, and Peter's thinking about... it's uh, Stanley and Tom DeFalco doing the story. Peter's thinking about telling Aunt May that he's Spider-Man right then and there, but she has a bad reaction to seeing Spider-Man's name in the papers, so Peter decides not to, and that he's always going to protect Aunt May, and that one day he'll tell her. That's Amazing 400. That's the big one. And guys, uh, I encourage all of you to go read this, because there is no way that a recap can do this thing justice, particularly a lot of the, the scenes that were in there. Yeah, I mean, I mean the... Uh... There's so much good stuff in here, and I figure we're going to spend a lot of time on the analysis. So uh, we'll start with – we'll go. I'll, I'll go first on this one because Over, no amount of words can do how – to do can, – can really describe how good this issue is. I can't really think of any bad panels, bad, uh, bad bits of dialogue. Um, what about the jackal scene? Even the jackal scene, I just found I just found kind of amusing. This is really kind of where 
a lot of the story arcs are, are starting to come a little bit together because you know there was a lot of disconnect after the uh, initial story arc. And uh, this particular issue kind of ties everything together because you get mentions of uh, Judas Traveler, you get mentions of uh, Jacob Raven, who's kind of kind of around everywhere, you know, and throughout this issue. He's kind of like the dark, you know. You see him on on the second page, and then you see him on the uh, throughout the issue. And and uh, I really love the scene. It's one of my favorite scenes between Peter and Ben, uh, where he's where during his issue four hundred where they're at outside and talking. To each other, the little uh, cutscene with uh, Aunt May and, and Peter and Peter's parents and Mary Jane watching it is is very very sweet and uh, an excellent excellently excellently done part of the issue. Mention of Janine, who becomes a pretty important character in a miniseries written by oh I don't know John John Martinez. <laughs> um, so and her cameo in um, the Who Was Ben Riley annual last year. Yeah. Oh yeah, that oh, was Mary Jane. No, so, so did the writers. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's not Mary Jane. The death scene is probably one of the most powerful scenes ever written in a, in a comic book. Uh, I love the part where Ben's sitting outside alone, you know, and having to deal with this all by himself. Um, the silent scenes where there is no dialogue is are great, and uh, then. You know, you think, okay, you're getting towards the end of the issue, and then boom, they they knock you with a right hook, with the uh, big cliffhanger ending of uh, Jacob Raven arresting Peter for murder, and uh, and of course the uh, what leads into the next issue, Ben and Mary Jane's first ever meeting. So uh, I give this a solid A plus. If I could give it a higher grade, I would. Um, it's probably one of my top five favorite comics of all time. So, uh, excellent, excellent book. If you don't like the Clone Saga, most people I, I, that I've talked to like issue 400, even though they don't like the Clone Saga. This is by far, I think, if the best, probably the best single issue of the Clone Saga. Period. Um, and I'll, I know there may be some disagreement there between me and Bertone, but if you talk about single issues, it's by far the best. So, Bertoni, what's your thoughts on this one? Well, Mark Bagley, and uh, I know, I think it was Donovan or Jason, one of you said that you had something to say about Mark Bagley later, so this may be a debate because I don't know if it was good or bad, but I think that a lot of the storytelling credit should go to Mark Bagley as well because a lot of the subtleties in the art and just those panels where there was no dialogue were really, really great and added so much depth for the scene, for the, yeah. for, the for the scenes. Uh, the jackal scene was corny. I, I didn't, found it amusing. Yeah, I, I I did not like the jackal scene, and mostly because I mean I really don't like how the jackal's been since he's been brought back anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Donovan, I'm hiring you to do sound effects for every single episode from now on. <laughs> the the jackal's great. Um, I would I would like to say. Because a lot of people made a big deal when Amazing 600 had no reprints. Um, some people made a bigger deal than others. I'm not naming any names, but somebody mentioned it in every single time that they talked about it. There's no reprints in this issue. We got you know three great J.M.D. Mateus stories. A scene that um, I accidentally glossed over during the rundown because I you know uh, I read I accidentally skipped a page in my notes was. Uh, when they're looking at the slides, we have Mary Jane, and it's some good foreshadowing for when she uh, 
meets Ben Riley. She's talking about the clone who she hasn't met at this point, and about how he's a copy, he's nothing, he's not real, you know. Because Peter's looking at these slides and he's thinking of Ben and mm-hmm. thinking, you know, Ben has these memories too. He's kind of a person too because he just had that confrontation with Ben. But Mary Jane's feelings on the clone and how a clone's a copy, it's not a real person. It's really interesting at this point, particularly because, you know, spoiler alert, I mean, within a few months, she's going to be thinking that her husband's a clone. And I think it's great because it's showing some, it's obviously showing some flaws in Mary Jane. And it's gonna, and it's setting up for some growth for her. Yeah. Well, it's human. It's the human. Whole, yeah. The whole, I know, which is good. And that's Jamie yeah. Mateus, you know, and, and it doesn't make you hate Mary Jane. I right. mean, you know, this is very hard for her. There's a clone of her husband lying around. Uh, speaking of Mary Jane, though, and the whole pregnancy thing, this is why I think Aunt May was just full of it when she's like, oh, it was my intuition. Mary Jane told Aunt May when she was in her coma a few issues ago that she was pregnant. And you could say, well, Aunt May was in her coma, so she didn't know. But we had all those coma narration dialogue stuff where she said that she could hear Mary Jane. So she's like, oh, Mary Jane. Well, Peter. <laughs> so maybe she was just trying to impress Mary Jane. Like, that, that's what it was. It's my intuition. I'm Aunt May. I know everything. Well, actually, actually, actually I, I can sort of explain that because – uh, I've, I've, um, for some reason, I, I, I have in my mind that people in comas don't remember everything, even if they are being told in comas. So maybe that was her kind of well, rationalizing. And, and, and women, cer- women certainly always have a little bit of a different glow about them when they're first pregnant that women can pick up and guys can't. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I've seen. No, I've seen. I'm a guy and I don't pick up on it. Yeah, guys don't pick up on that, but. But uh, I've seen it happen with family members so many times where, you know, they have a certain gleam in their eye and, and anybody that's, you know, because we all know that Aunt May was pregnant and lost a baby. But So oh, I, that, I that's, where I, that's why I don't think it, she, it's just she's, that she's full of crap. I think it's just a, it's a woman thing. Well, it's now in continuity that she was full of crap anyway, because this woman was actually say, yeah. a, this woman was actually a lot. So that that actually makes it work. But I mean, you know, for the purpose of this, you know, we're this this is Aunt May, for you know, for the purposes of this story in this rundown. Uh, when she talks about how she knew that uh, Mary, uh, which was Peter's mother, she talks about how she knew that Mary's, you know, was Parker was pregnant before uh, sh- before she did. Because she could see it in the glow in her eye. That actually right. still works with a retcon that was done um, not too long after this. They did um, an issue negative one because they weren't content with issue zeros of Untold Tales of Spider-Man, where the first person to find out that the Parkers were expecting, aside from the Parkers themselves, was actually Wolverine. So when yeah. it's like, oh, I knew before they did, I was like, oh, well, does that mean that Aunt May knew first? But then, you know, she she says that she didn't tell Mary, that she just smiled and knew. So that actually still makes that retcon work, which is cool. If This is one thing that was weird. When Peter's in the house and Ben's like, we got to talk, let's go outside. Peter changes into Spider-Man just to talk to Ben outside. Um, I guess yeah. it's for secret identity purposes because, you know, you don't want to see Peter Parker talking to the Scarlet Spider. But then you're talking to him outside of Peter's house, so... Well, wouldn't this, his uh, spider sense warn him if, if anyone's looking anyway? The spider yeah. sense only works when the plot, you know, when, when it's necessary for the plot, though. Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, they could have talked inside the house. That might have worked too. I like the mention of Janine. Um, we get a little bit of movement on the third Peter Parker. He's just kind of thrown in there, so he's there. The scene where Aunt May reveals to Peter that she knew. I mean, 
I like how they didn't give you a reason. She said, "I, you know, living under the same roof for you for all these years, how could I not know? Um, it's, it was speculated by many before this was retconned that she figured it out in Amazing 200, which is where uh, Peter saves her from the burglar as Spider-Man. And yeah. In fact, um, if you read an art like- by um, J.M.D. Mateus, which was in Spectacular before this... Uh, it's where the vulture goes to Ame to apologize to her for uh, accidentally causing Nathan Lubinsky to die. If you read that story, you can kind of see that Aunt May, in that story as written by JMD, knows that Peter is Spider-Man. Of course, there's some stories from around that period where she still says, oh, that horrid Spider-Man. But, I mean, it's in there. And I like how, even though she probably figured it out after Peter had already moved out, that line about uh, living under the same roof, how could I not know? It really paints Aunt May in a new light. It really does. It's uh, that scene had a lot of depth, and my recap did not do it justice. It's yeah, it's by far. In fact, uh, when they were uh, CBR was doing cool moments of the year, I think one of, like the, the like the tenth one was that from that particular that particular scene. They talk about how that was one of the coolest moments in comics. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I won't disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, the death scene was very effective, you know, especially with, I mean, and Bagley just did that great. And Bagley deserves all the credit that he can for the whole thing about Ben being isolated on the roof. And they later touch on that again in the Parker Years one-shot, how uh, Peter ultimately felt guilty about that, you know, that, you know, he later regretted doing what he did to Ben and, kind of leaving Ben out of, you know, May's death and not giving Ben a chance to say goodbye. I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, deep emotional stuff here. This was, um, I'm not sure how I feel about, you know, May saying that Peter, you know, this is our time, not, you know, Aunt Anna's and Mary Jane's. But I mean, I, I can see why, because Peter's her son. She wants to have that moment alone with them. And, you know, the two of them come into the room anyway. Yeah. But, you know, good, good stuff, this issue. Uh, any surprise, A+. plus. All, all the yeah. way, and you know, Bagley, Bagley did great. It's hard to imagine JMD teams with anyone, you know, aside from Sal Buscema after reading that awesome spectacular run. But he and Bagley make an awesome team. Yeah. Uh, really, I think Bagley started getting really disenfranchised after Demetrius left. Yeah. So, uh, um, Donovan, you have a question. Um, yeah, I, I have something real quick. Um, you mentioned Tom Grumman, who did the back, the very last backup, um, and you and I both know that he he uh, started um, Chuck Dixon's Robin Run, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Was was he not on Robin when he did this, or was it, or was Mike Ringo doing Robin at the time? Because I, I saw Grumman and I was like, huh, Tom Grumman, Tom Grumman, wait a minute. Well, August really not- kind of like threw me off. Uh, let's see. Well, this is April '95. Is the cover date, which means that this was actually February 95. I'd have to check uh, the Robin live, the Robin ongoing series, but I, I, I want to say he, he was probably off by this point, because I think he left right after this is where everyone tunes out, because we're talking DC, right after the <coughs> Prodigal storyline, where Dick Grayson became Batman, which is a storyline that was never, ever repeated again. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah, I, I just... Uh, did, did that occur... I mean, it, it was either him or Ringo and Robin around this time, because Robin started like right around this, like in '93. I'm so I, would, I, would, I would just like wondering if he like kind of ducked out and went ran to Marvel for an issue. I'm checking um, comics.org right now. All right, 
Sometimes they don't have their database information filled in. You know what? Son of a gun. Yeah, he was on Robin at the same time as he did this. Because you know what? It looks like Grummet uh, stuck around after Prodigal. Uh, Holy crap. He, he certainly was on Superboy. Well, uh, he probably was a freelancer, guys. Think yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 no doubt. Well, yeah, didn't Demetrius do a couple of Batman stories while he was doing uh, some Spider-Man stuff in the 90s? Yeah. He did Go Insane, which was, yeah. uh, you know, he... The, he finally got to he finally got to do that Joker story that he wanted to do, which became Craven's Last Hunt. But he got to do it for Batman, except without the, some of the similarities to Craven's Last Hunt. So yeah. When, 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 did, when did Going Sane come out? Sorry, Zach. It, it was in the. Uh, why is this? Why is this derailed into a into a Batman discussion? Is what I'm trying to figure. This, this out. is what happens when. Why you know, has it derailed into a Batman discussion, and you haven't brought out the goddamn Batman voice yet? <laughs> Batman. There we go. Tom Grummet did my book. Then he did my book. He did my book. Then he did a book about on me. We leave It's better that way. Going Sane was very shortly after this because um, I'm looking. That was issue 65 through 68 of uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. And Night's End was covered in 62 through 60. So, yeah, this was this was actually around the same time. I'll be so a son of a gun. It's like we're having our elsewhere in, you know, the comics discussion. Guys, what did you think of the cover? Those of you that have the issue uh, in, in front of you right now. Which one? There, because there are variant covers, right? Yeah, there are. I was about to say. Okay, I, there's yeah. two. There's there's a total of three covers. There's the tombstone cover, which has the inside flap. There's the one that it's a tombstone with actual artwork on it, which was the basis of the of the cover. And then there's the white what version. Yeah, in Life of Riley, Part Five, they talk about this, and uh, he's, <clears throat> let me let me quote Glenn Greenberg. Glenn, Br- Glenn Greenberg was the assistant editor at, at the time of uh, of the Spider titles, so he was heavily involved, particularly towards the end. Um, now, remember that gimmick cover in a- for ASM 400? It was supposed to be a tombstone featuring both the familiar ASM logo and a small Spider-Man figure engraved upon the face of the stone. I remember this was the first gimmick cover that Bob had to oversee as Spider-Man editor-in-chief, and he was a little overwhelmed by it. I'm not sure if it was his idea to do this gimmick cover or if it was the idea that was foisted upon by our marketing department. I suspect it was the latter because the marketing guys were obsessed with gimmick covers and used any excuse to do one often as often as possible. Well, the cover looked pretty good at the final stage. Everything was readable and the engravings looked good, but when I finally saw print, the cover's engraving was so shallow and so faint that the cover was essentially unreadable. It looked like a dull, gray, blank cover of something not a success not a success to put it mildly thank goodness the story inside made up for it proving that the old adage you can't judge a book by looking at the cover also a fun fact about this issue uh, uh, Bob Bulinski actually called Stan Lee to get his blessing to kill off the character of Aunt May and Stan actually According to Glenn Greenberg, Stan actually gave his blessing, was a true gentleman about it, and then when Aunt Day's Aunt May's death Aunt, Aunt Day's death Aunt May's death was greeted with dismay and contempt by a contingent of very focal fans. Stan publicly denied any knowledge of or involvement with the story and said that he would never want to see Aunt May die. Yeah, it sounds familiar. <laughs> that sounds just like Stanley. He did the same thing with Gwen Stacy. No, we had, no, dis- well, no disrespect to the man. Yeah, uh, we and they. they uh, 
Life O'Reilly says he had a, they had a good laugh over it at the office because it was so typical of Stan. He hates to have any fan angry at him. But the absolute truth is that Bob Bulinski did did indeed call Stan in advance to let him know and ask and to ask for his blessing. If Stan had not given his blessing, would we have done the story anyway? Probably. But like like I said, Stan is a true gentleman, and I would not want to. And would not have wanted to put Stan and the writers in that uncomfortable position. So no matter how he may have really felt about it, he was very cooperative. So that's a little bit from uh, Life of Riley, the wonderful campaign to the Clone Saga. But I thought that was a fun little story to talk about. There's my uh, family going like, oh. He's like, um, oh yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I had no idea they were doing this. I don't think Stanley has any clue what's gone on in most of the Marvel comics since probably sometime in the 80s or 70s. You know, yeah, when he says anything's good, good anyway. I mean, there, well, there's because one fan asked him about how he thought about Brand New Day, and he goes, "Yeah, I agree. Peter's not acting in character." And then he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm fine with it." So, well, he'll, he well, said again, in one interview he, he made it seem like he was under the impression that. Um, that Peter and Mary Jane actually had gotten divorced, which is, yeah. you know, w- w- which is what leads me to believe that. I mean, he really doesn't really know what's going on. Well, and he's a know, busy guy. It, you know, he's a, he's a company man. He's not going to speak ill will of the company. So anyway, um, Donovan, what's your thoughts on this issue? Wow. I, 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 I've never been so sure in my life that I can't do something justice. This story, this, uh, and, I, and I actually owned this a while ago, like around the time it came out, but I don't know where it is right now. Just from the beginning, um, this, this is my Bagley thing. And I think Jason will agree with me. I'm not, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% sure, but I, personally for me, Mark Bagley is Spider-Man in an art, in art form. Like he is my favorite Spider-Man artist and he just embellishes the character so perfectly. When you look at that splash page of the very beginning where he's, where he's just posing on top of the building, it's like he just gets the character. Like he's muscular, he's athletic, but he's not overtly muscular. He's agile. He's ready to spring at any money, at any moment. Moment. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm about. Cut that. Um, and I just and the the colors are really 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 good. Um, now to the to the main story. This was so well. I know. I know. I you know. You guys kind of like joke on Jamie or Dean Mateus some of the time, where he does this over dramatic, um, introspective kind of stuff. But uh, he and I and I agree with that to a certain extent. I still like the guy. But here, I thought I just thought everything was appropriate. I never thought anything was just melodramatic. I never thought that it wasn't sincere. Ben or or Ben in a scarlet spider uniform outside, you know, in the rain, just standing, not thinking, like not not an um. Thought balloons, all just captions. I just thought that was so appropriate for what was going on because you can see in his face when he looks up, he's like, well, on his mask, he's like, she's okay. All right, now what I'm going to do? I'm going to get out of here. And the scene, I agree with Zach. I absolutely love that scene where um, Star Spider and Spider-Man are outside of the house talking because, A, you have two of my absolute favorite comic characters drawn by one of my favorite artists, and when Ben says... Or Spider-Man says, keep in touch, okay? And he's like, no, you're never going to see me again. And, and Peter's just like standing there. It's, it's not 
you know, obviously there's bigger things going on in the story, but that hit me really hard. When you put into context the the what was going on, these two men who are the same person, you know, one is a fake, and when you just, you know, you're never going to see me again. It's like, jeez, it it really is really really good, and it's one of those stories that it's one of the more famous stories in uh, modern combo history. I mean, you have like the death of Cap, you have one more day, you have you know Batman R.I.P., you have uh, death of Superman, but this Civil story. War. Civil War, Civil War. But this story, I think, is known not just because Aunt May dies, but more because of how, how well it's, it's told, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, would you guys agree with that? Or, or? That That is very well put. That, um, that, what do you think? Uh, I mean, say what you will about the Clone Saga. It, is, it was as well written a story as you'll ever see. Yeah, there's so much character complexities in this issue. I talked about before, you know, how we kind of had those flaws in Mary Jane because she was... Uh, you know, hating on Ben, but we also had the flaws in Peter, which, you know, where he sent Ben away when at, at the hospital, I mean, which is something that Peter regretted later. There's so much going on here and so much to think about. And I, 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 I think Peter is slowly, you know, at this point, this is where we start seeing the friendship between Ben and Peter kind of form. Peter actually does want to pursue a relationship and wants to help help Ben out with it, however he can. So I, I, did, I think that's what also is a great part of this book too. One and it, when I was reading this again, you know, besides completely going nuts over the art, the amazing art and the amazing writing, I, and I, I hesitate to do this, but I, I can't because you know it's happened. This is the sickest thing that Norman Osborn's ever done. Oh. It, like what you, it, like what you think about that, and you see, uh, this really is he. First of all, who the I, hell would I be hired? Huh? It's it's bad. I think taking someone's uh, unborn child, well, child is a bit worse, but it's up there. It's dickish, <laughs> to say the least. It's very dickish. You know, he says he hired an actress, and you know, I know that we're not going to derail too much on the actress stuff, but. He never expanded upon the fact that it was an actress, but like, how 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 did this audition process work? <laughs> I want to know. It's like, how, so so what's the job? Um, you're gonna die. Wait, how what? Expecting you get paid for this? I don't get it. <laughs> that's that's. I'll, I'll pay you once you're dead, and it'll be great. Oh, okay, that sounds good to me. I mean, this must be a really stupid actress. Did he did he induce a stroke in her or something? Or you know, okay, you're gonna have a stroke, then you're gonna die. Wait, why? I don't want. I don't think I want this job. But it's been a while since I had something on my resume. You might as well. <laughs> oh Lord, yeah. It, she was written with death note. But yeah, I mean, barring that, barring that, that crazy. Um, uh, one last thing I'll say: um, the panel where uh, the page where Peter's like looking at the gravestone, everybody's gone, and it's, it's six it's six panels, and then you see Mary Jane in the middle one, and then the third one at the top. Where she's kind of resting on him and he's staring off. That is some incredible artwork, incredible penciling, inking, coloring, all of it. It's just, it's amazing and it's spectacular. It's pun intended. That that was good stuff. Um, oh, I see you did the back- Ha ha ha. Oh yes, I, I like the backups. Um, John Romita Senior and Junior. You can't go wrong. You know his his um 
That, that, that one was great. Um, Tom Grumman, I never realized how well he complimented uh, Mark Bagley. Because it, it, it looks like a, his style here kind of looks like a, a younger version of Bagley in, in terms of style. So I thought that was really appropriate. And, you know, his art is, is, is amazing as well. This issue is just so good. Absolutely A+. Plus. I, that's the best I can say it. A plus, okay. All right, my uh, my Detroit friend. <laughs> well, yep. okay, I I've agreed with everything that you guys have said so far. For, first, I should say I, I need to get this out of the way, and th- this is why uh, Stephen Wacker thinks I shouldn't be reading Spider Man. I've never liked Aunt May, never liked her as a character, and I never liked her until JMS did anything with her. And this is the only other issue with, with where I've seen Aunt May as, as an actual character. And JMS, sorry, JMD Mateus did an absolutely fantastic job with this. Uh, it, it is the single best issue of the Clone Saga. Uh, I really don't think Aunt May could have had a better send off than this. Um, I, I agree with Don. Uh, Mark Bagley's one of my favorite artists, and t- to me, he's. I, I personally think he's just as iconic as uh, John Romita Jr. or John Romita Sr. Hell yes. He's a, uh, like you said, he gets the character. He has like the perf- the perfect balance of the way he draws him strength and still being kind of slim. It's it's very well done. Every there's there's literally n- not a bad thing I can say about this issue. The death scene is fantastic. The little moments with Peter and Mary Jane together are fantastic. And it, it uh, I, I really like where Aunt May admits that she's known all along about Peter being Spider-Man, because uh, I'm what I believe Jr. referred to himself as this, a continuity whore. And it fits right into continuity, because there are other times, like I said, during 200 and other issues where it's been hinted that she knew. And... This was just such a well-done issue that I think it's pretty much criminal that Aunt May was brought back, quite frankly. And, yeah, out, out of all of the 100 issues, you know, 100, 200, this, this and 300 are the best ones. It's, it, buy it. Yeah, you can pick this up easily. I actually managed to, f- I'd read it before, but I actually managed to find a near-mint copy of this at a local comic store for five bucks over the summer. And I was ecstatic. So you can go out and get this fairly easy. And it's a fantastic issue. And it, it's better than anything Spider-Man related you're going to read right now. So buy it. <laughs> A+. Plus. I think it's the best centennial issue that they've, had, that they've had. I'd say it's better than 100, 200, 300, 500, and 600. Um, I would agree. Yeah, I, I'm very partial to 300 because... Uh, Venom's my fa- uh, pro- probably my favorite Spider-Man villain. I know he's not the best, but I really love 300. But yeah, yeah, 400's probably the better issue. I might like 300 a bit more, but no, I wouldn't disagree with that. So. Okay. okay. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, A plus on that as well. Yeah. One thing to, uh, note too about the cover, uh, when you actually fold back the thing, it says Parker, but there's a shadow over it, and Spider-Man's staying there. You got to remember, at the time, nobody knew what was going on, and as we said before, there's no sacred cows. They're killing Doctor Octopus. Mary Jane's pregnant. You know, Aunt May's at death's door. So, 
I mean, there were some people that thought that maybe this was actually Peter Parker, you know, the one that we've been following for all this time kicking it, and the guy in the costume was Ben taking his place, or, you know, it could have been Mary Jane, because you know, some people were speculating that Mary Jane was going to kick it. And remember, we also have this third Peter Parker running around, so, you know, there was some legitimate mystery going on there. Just the last, just having the last name Parker on the gravestone, I mean, that, that, that would have been enough if they would have released this online in this day and age, that there would have been lots of speculation. There would have been message board topics and... Yeah. You know. um, I, I love the uh, mortal thoughts... This month, an amazing Spider-Man, and this is from the Marvel comic. This month, it's from like their uh, bullpen bulletins thing. This month, an amazing Spider-Man number 400. The web swinger again confronts one in, 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 implacable enemy whose long shadow has darkened Spider-Man's career from the beginning, whose dark laughter has forever lurked in the deepest corners of Peter Parker's heart, whose haunting name continues to echo across the concrete canyons of New York City. That enemy is death. And once again, Spider-Man loses the battle as a member of the Parker family, a character we've known for a long, long time, meets the ultimate fate. The Amazing Spider-Man number 400, featuring a die-cut, multi-level, embroised cover, is by John Mark DiMatteis, Mark Bagley, and Larry... I don't know how to say Piper. Larry's name. Piper? No, it's... Uh, is it... It's, it's M-A-H... Oh, and you know, say also, what you will about DiMatteis's, uh we you know psychological style he gets the characters yeah yes he does and uh also in this including the 64 page turner is part one of the parker legacy a, a, a three-part tale of ben the clone riley's lost years by dimitas john ramita the junior and john ramita the senior plus a special background <laughs> script by stan the man over a dimitas plot with artwork by tom grumman and al milgram if you dare miss one issue of amazing spider-man don't let it be this one I, gotta, I think that's a fitting way of of kind of ending that discussion on that issue. If, you, if there's a, a single issue of Amazing Spider-Man you have to read, it's Amazing 400. I have one question, though, real quick. Sure. Um, you know, I've actually never thought about this. What was – was there any significant fan backlash to on May, or was it because it was so awesome that they didn't care? The, the, well, they were – the letters pages were pretty – Pretty inconsistently published back then. There was a, lo- a lot of positive feedback. Uh, there was some negative feedback, as as there is with any type of storyline. But, right. um, but really, I, I don't think uh, most people hold most people who don't like the Clone Saga hold this issue in high regard. Well, that and Aunt May's older than Methuselah, and she should be dead by now anyway. So. It's really funny because when Scott Gardner was talking about coming on here, he's like, it's going to be the death of Mephuzla episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's this issue and a couple other certain story arcs that really make me wish, you know, the Clone Saga had ended differently. As great as an, as an issue of Peter Parker Spider-Man 75 is, I would have liked to see, you know, Aunt May stay dead, Baby May, you know, not have gone off into comic book limbo and see where, you know, the, the natural progression of the characters would have gone. It should also be noted that uh, when she tells Peter that, you know, that's my time, he's like, you know, no, no, but he doesn't go scouring the world to... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm, I, 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 I'm going to leave that comment in there because... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave that because, you know, that is important and I'm not going to be so worried about negative comments that we're going to censor everything. Well, I'll, I'll never be hired by Marvel... 
Well, there wouldn't have been enough time to. I mean, she would have been dead another second or two anyway. All right, so we're moving on to uh, Spider-Man number 57. It's the uh, Aftershocks, part one, written written by Howard Mackey with art by John Romita Jr., who is listed as a guest penciler. Joe Rubenstein uh, also did the guest inking on this one. Let's, let's let's get the rundown. Alrighty. Well, when we last left things, uh, Ben had come to Mary Jane saying that he wanted to help, and Mary Jane responds by on the first full, full splash page, uh, giving Ben a big slap across his unmasked face, and then um, <laughs> Donovan's gonna make editing so much easier. He's just gonna add all the sound effects. Indeed. Yeah. And as if a slap in the face wasn't enough, she then proceeds to verbally rip into him about, you know, basically the same stuff she was saying in 400, how, except this time she's saying it to his face, that he isn't half the man that Peter is, and that, you know, she should never expect anything. So Ben's like, okay, you know what? He's ne- I'm never going to be accepted. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So he swings off saying that he's that she's going to get his help whether she wants it or not. And then Mary Jane just breaks down on the floor crying. Peter is at his arraignment, and he's shocked when he's like, okay, blah, 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 the judge is just going to say what my charges are, I'll do the bail, then I can go home. And then the judge says that the charge is murder and that there's no bail set. And Peter's like, what? Murder? Because I obviously wasn't two feet away from Jacob Raven when he was saying it to Mary Jane in issue 400. What? What? Okay, I have an explanation for that, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Magic. (laughs) Explanation is no communication with the writers. Uh, Peter's flabbergasted because he's thinking, you know, because they're saying that this happened in Salt Lake City, Utah. He's like, I've never even been to Utah, which is another thing that we'll talk about with communication with writers in another review. <laughs> Jacob Raven goes to Peter's cell and he's like, Why didn't you run? You you knew that you knew that you weren't going to get away with it when you saw me. You must have recognized me because Jacob Raven was kind of stalking Peter for a little while there. And he's like, yeah, you know, and you're going by the name Peter Parker now. What's up with that? Which is weird because if Jacob Raven did records of Peter Parker, he'd know that Peter Parker went by that name his whole life. Um, Peter, obviously, the thought has crossed Peter's mind to break out, but he knows that if he does, it's, you know, it's just going to make things worse. So he's staying his ground because, yes, a lot of people are asking you. He has his spider powers. He can just break out and run. He knows that this isn't a good time to do that. The Daily Bugle's city room is buzzing with whispers and gossip about this recent uh, Peter Parker arrest for murder news. Robbie is shocked that Jonah is seemingly refusing to do anything and just acting callous about the matter. But when Robbie leaves Jonah's office, Jonah gets on the phone with the lawyer, and we find out that Jonah's anonymously paying out of his own pocket Peter's legal bills. Now it's montage time. We get... Brief snippets of what's going on. The third Peter Parker is wandering the streets of New York, and things are starting to seem a little familiar. Peter and Mary Jane are meeting with a lawyer, discussing the charges. Jacob Raven is sitting in a room, wondering if Peter really is guilty. And Kane is sitting on the roof, angry about Peter's situations. And he gets another one of the MJ is dying flash forwards, which causes him to damage a building for therapy. When I say he damages a building for therapy, I don't mean he's damaging a building where therapy sessions are held. I mean, this is how Kane does therapy. He damages buildings, he, you know, because the panel's like, and then Kane feels better. So Mary Jane's back at the Parker home, and with the stress of Peter's incar- incarceration, the pregnancy complications, and the recent confrontation with Ben Riley, she's starting to lose it. So she runs outside crying, wishing that she had someone that she can talk to about this with. In the rain. Yeah, in the rain. Uh, 
which is what you're in your own house. Why are you running? You know, what, whatever. Um, I have my own theories based on who Mary Jane's about to run into. Jackal has a brief therapy session with Dr. Kafka where he goes on about how Spider-Man took Gwen Stacy away from him. Colonel Jameson arrives, though, to take Warren back to his cell because they can see that Warren is testing the limits of his constraints and that he's probably about to break out. The third Peter Parker sees a mugger running from a cop, and he decides to stop the mugger when the cop's like, hey, hey, stop. And obviously, if this situation is familiar to you, it's also familiar to the third Peter Parker, and it's making him remember the words power and responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. And in case the Amazing Fantasy issue 15 parallels aren't subtle enough, the cop says to drive the point home, hey, good thing you stopped that guy. He could have killed someone. Peter David, when he wrote Young Justice, later took the parallel one step forward when they had the people say he could have killed somebody's uncle. I I remember that issue. (laughs) Young Justice rocks. Scarlet Spider spies on Mary Jane, wondering how he can get through to her, but then he spots Judas Traveler and the host, yay, them, hooray, who goes up to Mary Jane saying that he wants to study her. Yeah, you know, first Medea, now Mary Jane. That Judas Traveler's, you know, a pimp, like uh, Gerard says. Raven is still having doubts that Peter is guilty. Well, brace yourself, Raven, because you're about to get some pretty big, uh, you know, substance for those doubts. Because Kane grabs Raven and uh, tells Raven that that he has the wrong man. And he's like, and this will give you all the proof that you need. Just look in the mirror. (laughs) He gives Raven a big old mark of Kane on his face. Traveler tries to keep Scarlet Spider away from Mary Jane by saying, Building, explode, collapse. And it actually works. And Ben and the readers wonders about what's up with Judas's uh, power levels, because even though he, expla- he displayed some pretty sick stuff back in Ravencroft, he- his levels have grown. Ben gets through the obstacles, which makes Mary Jane realize that, wow, Ben really cares after all. And Traveler's surprised that Ben persevered through all this, so he frees Mary Jane and slips away into the shadows with his host gang. Mary Jane tells the Scarlet Spider that she's ready for his help and that he can stay, but that she would prefer if he left the mask on because that's a little weird for her. The final page is a montage of uh, basically uh, three people. The first one's Peter. He's being transferred to another cell, worrying about Mary Jane and the Jackal, marveling about his master plan and how well it's coming together. And the third, Peter Parker, overlooking the city, determined to figure out who he is. All right. Thank you, Bertoni, for that for that rundown. Uh, Bertoni, we'll go to you first. How's that? That sounds okay. Uh, yay for John Romita Jr. coming back. And uh, that, that first page when um, Mary Jane is uh, slapping Ben. Everybody, if you can, look at that first page and look at Ben's face. <laughs> that is, He's like, what? That is a hilarious, like, post-slap uh, expression. One thing about John Romita, he has a habit of drawing Peter and Ben with kind of, like, mullets. You ever notice that? Oh, I have something yeah. to say about that. Yeah. I think Don referred to it as, what, business up front, party in the back? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> now, look at also look at the last page of 400. You know, Mary Jane, she sees Ben. He's like, I think we have to meet face-to-face. And then look at the first page of this. There's obviously something missing in between, and what's missing is Mary Jane said, wait, Ben, hold on, and she ran into her cl- her room upstairs or whatever, changed her clothes, went back downstairs and says, okay, now I can slap you, because Mary Jane is obviously dressed differently. So. Well, well, she is a model. But, but to be fair, in Web of Death, she's wearing a pink dress, 
shirt when she tells Peter that she's pregnant, and then in the following uh, issue, 398, he's like, we're having a what? She's wearing a green shirt. We'll be right back. Mary Jane, Mary Jane just like <laughs> likes to change between um, you know, issues. That that that's her deal. Just like Peter changing when he's going. Yeah, well, that, that's that's the editor not getting the artist. Down. Yeah, and again, that's like one thing that'll say that really Brand New Day is doing a lot better now. Sizes. Yeah, <laughs> those 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 pancakes. So, uh, speaking of the writers and communication. I mean, I really think that what they did was they like they had the outline for these stories, but not the scripts. So they would each write their own outline for their own parts, but they wouldn't compare the final scripts. Because again, here Peter's like, "What murder?" I was well, oh yeah, I, get into, I, I, get into your explanation for that. Okay, my my explanation for that is really simple. Um, he was in such a, a massive amount of shock; he wasn't hearing anything. He's just going, "What's going on? What's 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 going on?" That's how I would be. I it's 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 an explanation and it's one that works, but you shouldn't need the explanation. I mean that I think that that should have been caught, you know. I mean because that's yeah. very noticeable. This is one of my favorite characterizations of Jonah because yeah, he's gruff and everything, but you know he has the heart of gold and he's helping the Parkers. We do get the very very bad line for with the cane scene that his rage is far greater than that of a mere thunderstorm. Ooh, because Kane. <laughs> so uh, Take that, Thor. Yeah, <laughs> that's I'm angrier than a thunderstorm. I'm Kane. Um, Mary Jane running outside in the rain. I mean, you know, that seemed, I mean, you're already in your house. You know, what are you doing? But I mean, it's not said within the story, but it can be explained that you know, Traveler he did some emotional juju on Peter back in Power and Responsibility. Maybe he's doing that on Mary Jane to get him to uh to get her to like come to him. What, yeah. It works either way because, you know, Mary Jane, obviously, she's on the brink of madness anyway with all that's going on. So I like how that kind of works both ways. Uh, we get a pinup gallery in the back. And did anyone notice um, who drew the Black Cat Spider-Man one? Mike Diodato Jr. Yeah. yeah. So we got some early Mike Diodato uh, Spider-Man stuff here. So very, yeah. very 90s Diodato Jr. because Black Cat is impossible. Black Cat is been impossible in all of her appearances since the 80s. I don't think that Black Hat's been drawn possible since... <laughs> okay, okay, to be fair, okay, we've got Mike Ringo, also in there in the back, and um, Steve Ipting, who uh, has been doing a lot of work on Captain America. Yeah, so they, they did some of these pinups this month, I guess, to celebrate issue 400, which is cool, and obviously we have the Parker Legacy backup, but like I said, we're going to get into that in another episode when we're going to cover the uh, Lost Years as a whole. This was a you know, great issue. Uh, Howard Mackey, not the best writer at times. I mean, his rage is greater than a thunderstorm. Are you, are you just giving us ammunition now? Um, but JRJR <laughs> is always good, and it was nice to have a break from Tom Lyle. Because I like some of Lyle's stuff, some of it I don't like. I'm going to give this a B minus. A B minus, okay. Donovan, what are you? What's your thoughts on this one? All right. The first note I have is I hate this Peter Parker hairstyle. <laughs> the second note I have is I really do. Um. Now, now. Okay. John he Romita has Jr. to be to be fair. This is John Romita Jr.'s stick throughout the throughout the clause. No, 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 I, I know. I know. Exactly, I know. Like, yeah. Up through um, really pretty much through the uh, reboot of of uh, the titles. Epic fail. Yeah. 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 Um, let's not oh, go yeah, there. I, well, I mean, 
I like like Ramita, Ramita, okay. Bagley, Ramita Senior, and Junior are my Holy Trinity Spider-Man artists. But um, and I, I know I know he was I know a lot of people. This is not just Ramita Junior. A lot of people like to draw, give Peter this '80s-ish long hair mullet style. I mean, he had that in Amazing Friends. But it's just annoying. I mean, I don't know. It's just it looks it looks like every time I see it, it looks like the character is trying too hard to be like in the times. When his basic hairstyle has been fine all the time, so that's just that's probably the biggest thing that I, I didn't like about this issue. Um, but the rest of the issue is pretty good. I, I really like this is this is around the time where I actually didn't like John Romita's Junior's art because um, I was young and stupid. It grows and, on you. I mean, yeah, I mean it's it's you can't even now when when it's like you know different significantly. You can't. You still can't say it's not great art because the the way he draws Stark Spider in action is one. It's it's very akin to Spider Man later time, but even still, it's kinetic. It's you know gripping. I, I really love it. His his art's really his art's you know John Romita Jr. awesome art level. I I think the inking was kind of patched. Uh, who was the inker again? Let me see. Inker Joe Rubenstein. Joe Rubenstein. Okay, yeah, he's not a bad inker, but I think that um. In this era with uh, Ramita Jr., who was also doing a lot of like kind of Nike-ish things, like everybody has a freaking coat on practically. <laughs> like that—that—that's that, another thing I really don't like. Like Mary Jane, when she's in, in the rain, she has like that really heavy coat. Scar- Spider looks like he has a coat on one instead of the instead of the usual jersey sweatshirt getup thing. But yeah, I, I'm sticking—I'm sticking on the art too much. The story—I like the story. I thought that um. I think I think you said it's that Peter's thought process is really natural. You know, his aunt just died. Says, "What am I doing here? I didn't kill anybody." And yeah, she should have remembered that she was it was for murder. But you know, uh, it's the shock. It's a pretty think, thing thing to gloss over when you're in shock. That, that is you, true. You haven't murdered, you haven't murdered anybody, so you wouldn't know. So shut up. How do you know I haven't? <laughs> oh well, uh, puppies. You know, I mean, come oh. on. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, I, I, I liked I liked the um, I liked the the line the the third clone had about power and responsibility. I thought that was good. I really like I really the fight scene with Ben against uh, um, Judas Judas Traveler. I mean, yeah, he's he's a he's a wacky character, but I thought that he provided a good challenge, and I thought that it was a good issue. I mean, I, I didn't there was there was some so there's some '90s wackiness in the writing, but you know you can't fault that because it, it was written in the '90s, so. I'm giving this a B plus. B plus, okay. All right, Jason, give your thoughts. For the for the most part, I like this issue. Um, my 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 biggest gripe is some of the whole, the plot holes and minor continuity issues that uh, Josh already mentioned. But for the most part, I thought I thought it was good. Uh, I, I thought MJ had a well, pretty much a logical reaction. I mean, you know, here she is. That her she's pregnant, you know. Aunt May has just died, and all of a sudden Peter's taken away for murder. I mean, yeah, she's going to be upset. And you know, prior to certain reboots, uh, Peter and MJ had a very strong marriage. And you know, uh, for, forget it, forgetting that they were written out of the character in the whole. Oh, we're too young. We're too young to be going through this crap. Uh, they, yeah, she'd be really broken up about this. So. I, like I said, I thought it was a good issue. Uh, I don't have the amount of problem with Peter's hair that Donovan does. I don't really think it's that big of an issue. But I really like uh, 
JRJR's art. So, um, I'll, I'll give this a B-. minus. Uh, the, the minus is for the minor continuity. Well, not exactly minor, but the continuity problems. But as a whole, it's a pretty solid issue. Okay. All right. What's your, what's your grade? Oh, I thought I said, <laughs> I thought I said that. B-. minus. Okay. Sorry. I just you cut out. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody's giving their opinions but me. Uh, I actually didn't pick this issue up until much, much later than, uh, than I actually, and there's a reason for that, but I'll, I'll get into that a little bit. Um, cause I read part two before I read, well, part one. But, um, this issue, solid artwork, um, I wouldn't, I've never been a great big fan of Remedia's rendering of the Scarlet Spider. I thought it was really weak to me. Between that and the single issue of Scarlet Spider before his run started on a uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man before it became Peter Parker Spider-Man, but uh, this is kind of a kind of a teaser issue for um, for what would happen later about what three or four months, five months, uh, with uh, Howard Mackey and John Romita Jr. So um, it was good to read. Uh, the cover I really liked um, with the die cut. It was one of the few times a gimmick cover actually kind of worked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Very few. The, yeah, the very few times it's actually worked. And, um, you know, the story, or, or the story was merely okay. Judas Traveler is meh to me. I'm not a big fan of Judas. Uh, I think he's probably one of the worst characters in the Clone Saga. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not great. He's random but, as hell. Yeah, well, it's because only really one person knew what to do with him, so. Um, and which person was that? Because I don't think anyone knew what to do with him. Uh, apparently, uh, DiMatteis had some plans with him. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you've been listening to us, you would have known. I'm kidding. Uh, well, another thing I really like about this book is the glossy paper. The high glossy paper on this was is, is really outstanding. Uh, compared to the next issue, which is just on regular paper. But uh, other than that, I'm going to give this a solid C+. I want to give it the lowest grade of the group. So, C-plus for me. And, um, okay, the next issue is Spectacular Spider-Man number 223, written by Tom DeFalco. Sabi Sima does the pencil breakdowns, and the finished art is Bill Sienkiewicz. Robbins and Kroll. And it's done, Robbins and Kroll were the letterers, so... I don't know who, and, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, Bertone, give the rundown of Spectacular Spider-Man number 223. Oh, over in Ravencroft, uh, John Jameson and Ashley Kafka are discussing two patients, uh, Shriek and Warren. Warren was just playing some mind games with Kafka and John, revealing that he's going to replace mankind with clones, which I believe is his first mention of his, uh, eventual master plan. Uh, and Shriek is kind of going nuts in her cell in anticipation of the manifestation of the Karin virus, which she absorbed from Malcolm McBride a while ago. Uh, ben and Mary Jane are making some small talk and kind of recapping the story to the readers over coffee. And Mary Jane once again requests to Ben to keep his mask on, although the way it's worded here, it sounds like she's saying it to him for the first time. Another example of uh, the writers not really communicating. Robbie is visiting Peter in jail. He wants Peter to open up to him, tell him his side of the story, so he could use the bugle to spread the word of his innocence. Peter says that he just can't tell Robbie what's going on. Over at the hospital, Jacob Raven is unwrapping his face bandages, and he's telling his buddy, oh, well, I'm pretty sure I have the wrong man now. He's like, well, what do you mean? He's behind bars. And he's like, yeah, well, look at this. And we got the mark of Cain all over uh, Raven's face. 
The third Peter Parker sees a newspaper with Pete's face on the headline uh, because of the murder trials. He notices the resemblance between them, and he has a faint recognition of that name. Mary Jane and Scarlet Spider are discussing the baby situation. Uh, ben shares Mary Jane's concern that the radioactive blood may cause anomalies, and he encourages her to go to Seaward Trainer for testing. Mary Jane just snaps at him and says, you know, what do you have to gain from this? Why are you doing this? Why are you helping us? Peter contemplates breaking out, and we get a great fantasy sequence where Peter's imagining, you know, going after Ben Riley, webbing him up, and then taking him to the police, but then realizing that he has to unmask himself in order for everyone to believe the story. And then that would just cause all the villains to come after him and Mary Jane after Mary Jane has the baby. Um, at first, you don't realize that it's a fantasy sequence that he's doing. You know, it looks like he's actually doing this. But as it goes on, you can see that he's just kind of going through the scenario in his head. It's one of the best sequences of the book, actually, uh, in my opinion. Jackal has looped a video in his cell to show that he's still there as he's wandering the halls of Ravencroft. And he's checking the Ravencroft computers for the Malcolm McBride files. Presumably he's doing this because uh, Traveler showed an interest in Ravencroft a while ago. So that's what made him think that what he was looking for was in Ravencroft and why he, quote-unquote, let himself get captured by Ben over in Players and Pawns. The third Peter Parker passes the warehouse where Spider-Man caught the burglar who killed Uncle Ben. It triggers another memory that sends him running. As Scryer watches in the shadows, because, you know, Kane called in sick, so Scryer had to fill in for him this issue. <laughs> ben opens up to MJ about why he's helping them. He wants one of the, he wants either him or Peter to have a happy life, and since clone degeneration is going to eventually kill him, you know, he wants things to be good for Peter. So Mary Jane tells, tells Ben to stop calling her, her Mrs. Parker, which is what he's been doing all issue, as she pulls off his mask, prepared to, you know, accept his face for who he is. Warren is now in Shriek's cell, and uh, somehow he removes the Karin virus from her. We're not really sure how he does it, but he does say that it's going to hurt. <laughs> Carnage is furious because he and uh, uh, Shriek kind of played husband and wife during the whole Maximum Carnage storyline. And he's like, if you hurt Shriek, I'm going to get you. Don't you dare lay a hand on her. And Warren's like, you know what? <laughs> Look me up when you get out. I dare you. Peter sits in his cell wondering how similar he and Ben are. Can Ben be a killer because he came from Peter? But on the other hand, him and Ben had five years apart. Things could change. But if Peter wouldn't kill someone, would Ben kill someone? Peter sits and ruminates that thought for a while. And we end with the third Peter... No, that's not how we end. The third Peter Parker arrives at the graves of Aunt May and Uncle Ben, and the memories of his life flood back to him as he shouts to the thunderstorm that he is Peter Parker... And then, I mean, once again, we got that one guy. I mean, I imagine that there was probably someone that heard Scarlet Spider screaming, I'm not Peter Parker, at the smoke snack. And what if that same guy's, like, walking past the graveyard here and, like, you know, hears him screaming, I'm Peter Parker? I mean, that guy's got to be, like, wondering, you know, why are the people screaming all about Peter Parker in the middle of these thunderstorms? What's going on? So he looks at the newspaper again and thinks that the guy in jail must be an imposter. He also learns that he's apparently married to Mary Jane Watson and needs to find her. And that's when we end with, um, while he's saying this, we see um, over his uh, narration boxes, Kane watching in the shadows. Uh, he's not sick anymore. He was able to relieve Scryer. Watching in the shadows as Ben, as ben Riley, who in his civilian guise, is walking the streets with Mary Jane. Yuck, 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 that Parker look. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Donovan, 
give us your thoughts on Spectacular Spider-Man number 223. Okay, well, um, uh, I, know, I know you guys have been kind of down on uh, Bill Sienkiewicz's inks, uh, you know, also known as Bill Sienkiewicz. I don't think his, I mean, first of all, I think he's a really, he's a really good artist. He's done some really dynamic Batman stuff. I don't think he's necessarily bad here. But I very much see like their um, your thing against it because it's very even though this is a clone saga where there's a lot of dark themes going on, this is kind of really, really even o- not over the top, but t- it's kind of gone a little too far. It's kind of gone a little too devil may care splash with the inks, and but I still don't think it's bad. I think it's a little overdone, but for the oh, for, I think I think I think this is his best issue that he's done so far. I mean, the, the other issues were a lot worse than this one. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, well, thank God I didn't read those. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think like 65% of it is, or maybe 70% of it is pretty good. There are parts here and there where it's like, nah. Like where the third clone sees the picture of Peter, and then they look, and then he like winces away. They go, oh, it's like me. They look exactly the same. And I'm pretty sure that um, that wasn't the original pencils. But yeah. And there's a little dark, but I agree with uh, what Josh said about like the flashback scene, which is being the coolest part because I, I was reading that and I was like, well, hey, you know, n- nobody can pl- complain about him breaking out because he just did it. Oh, wait, it's a flashback. But it's a really good flashback, so I thought that was pretty good. Um, the whole the whole thing with Jackal and Ravencroft, you know, with the carry-on virus and everything, I I didn't care. I mean, the part where he walks by Carnage was very reminiscent to me of uh, the, the Batman-Spider-Man crossover where Carnage crosses over with the Joker, since the Jackal is pretty much a Joker ripoff in the Clone Saga for... You know, for some certain terms, um, especially with his hairstyle, his, his hairstyle looks like he was he had a swirly for some reason. <laughs> uh, it's true. And the the last page with um, third Parker clone going, "I am Parker, Peter Parker," as a lightning strikes, that made me like almost fall in my chair laughing because it was so over the top. Like with with the, the the rain illuminating him and the the text of Peter Parker in bright red and electric yellow. I mean, it's like. Okay, <laughs> but for the most part, it wasn't bad. I thought that Peter's characterization in jail was very good. I mean, I know he, he gets really out of character during Maximum Clonage, but this is like, even though the story's kind of going off in a certain direction and, the and like, you know, certain things are happening, Peter's still in character, and as long as he's in character, I can enjoy the book. So I give this a C+. C+. All right, C+. From Donovan. Okay, Jason, what's your thoughts? Quickly, I forgot to mention this last issue, but I really I liked Mod. I really like J. Jonah Jameson pretending to be a lot nastier than he really is, because yeah, I think that's the correct character. Uh, this issue, uh, yeah, the art it, it's not as bad as some of his other work, but as a whole, yeah. It's, Sinkovich only lasted ten issues for a good reason, uh, which is he shouldn't have been on the title in the first place. Uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I thought overall it was um, fairly solid. It was it was good. It wasn't great. I don't know why we have to keep having Peter Parker clones screaming "I am" or "I'm not Peter Parker" at in, in thunderstorms constantly. 
It's not like, well, maybe Thor is listening. I don't know. It was fine. I, I can't really, I can't really add anything to what Donovan said. Uh, I, I mostly agree with Don, so I'll give it a C. Okay. Best Donovan, you could ever make. Give it a C. Josh. Zach is going to kill me because, uh, I know he has fond memories of this one. Looking back, I don't even know if this issue was needed, truth be told, because when, when, when I'm sitting down looking at the recap, Nothing really happens to progress the story aside from, you know, the amnesic Peter Parker who's been wandering around for nine years at this point. I, I say nine years. It's a loose term. It's been a few issues. Uh, realizing who he is and the jackal taking the car in virus. I mean, really, it's just kind of pages and pages of people commenting on what's currently going on. Um, the scenes are very – there's a lot of quick cuts in this issue, a lot of one-page scenes. You know, The story like moves very, very fast from one scene to another. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, just something that I noticed when I was you know, writing down the notes for this. It's you know, A lot of the scenes are one-pages until you get to the fantasy sequence, which was hands down the, the best part of the book. I love that, and I love how they played it off at first that you really thought that Peter was breaking out of jail and him imagining um, punching out Scarlet Spider. This is our first reference to um, the Jackal's plan, which is now changing all clones to all no, which is now changing all humans to clones. The Jackal was originally just, um, as Peter put it in Spectacular Spider-Man issue 149, a sick man obsessed with a dead woman, and he was pissed off, you know, and he wanted revenge that Spider-Man apparently killed Gwen Stacy. Now it's this world domination thing and replacing everyone with clones, so you can kind of see things going um, off the rails again. Uh, sh- there's an inconsistency in this issue because they give uh, Shriek's name as Francis something or the other, and it had previously been Sandra Deal. I think that that was later retconned, um, though, that like one of those was her alias. So, you know, retcon fix, but something of notes. But when they get to something with the third Peter Parker, they say it's been 24 hours since he awoke in the, uh, you know, clone pod back in the mountains. <laughs> no, it hasn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, first of all, I mean, Amazing 400 itself took place over the course of a week. (laughs) I mean, just Amazing 400 itself. The other issues, I mean, we're having time pass here. Day turns into night, it's the morning, you know, stuff like that. He fell asleep at one point and woke up when that cop... (laughs) I mean, come on, that's just a careless error. Uh, Carnage in this issue... He's, like, worried about Shriek. And in every single thing I've read in Carnage, you've never seen him concerned about anyone. So you can say that this is character development for Carnage. I'm just going to say that it's out of character for him. Because even when Carnage was playing husband and wife with Shriek and Maximum Carnage, you know, you still got the impression that if he wanted to, he'd turn on her and slice her open any moment when it suited him. Yeah, he, he killed um, um, Doppelganger. Like, I, I can, she, she loved Doppelganger, so he didn't give a crap. And after he he killed her, he would make sweet sweet love to her remains because he's oh, that sick. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna tell me he wouldn't? Because he totally would. Are we really going to debate if Carnage is a necrophiliac? I say yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's not debate that. Let's, let's just move on. Let's move on. Uh, you can tell this man is from Detroit, folks. <laughs> The yeah. amount of extreme things that come out of your mouth sometimes are going, good God. He knows all about it, too. It's, it scares you. This is what I get on the on the nightly news. I know. This is I what's so sad. 
You know, when we have Scryer following um, the third Peter Parker into the warehouse, I mean, that reminds me too, oh, okay, you know, he's doing it, he has his motivation. It kind of hit me over the head with um, a thought that I've been trying to vocalize for a while about what went wrong with the original Clone Saga, uh, the original, with the 90s Clone Saga. And it's, there was just way too, they, they complicated things too much. They should have kept it simple, you know. It should have been all about the Jackal and his plans and maybe some confusion about who the clone is. You know, you don't need Scryer. You don't need the host. You don't need Judas Travel. You don't need all of this extra stuff. I mean, you know, the murder plot, it's actually kind of intriguing with Kane and everything, you know. But we don't yeah. need Scryer. We don't need the host. We don't need all these other people thrown up in it. And that oh, just kind of hit. <laughs> we don't, well, Terry Cavanaugh, this was Terry Cavanaugh's idea. And the whole thing like about I said, we don't need Terry Kavanaugh. Oh, <laughs> well, it's, it's also like you know the the murder subplot has something because that was King. That yeah, has something yeah. to do relevant to the plot. It's not a, it's not like you know that's something well, to the well, society. Yeah. Hey, I will I will say this though, the way they wrapped that up with the Scryer subplot was actually fairly plausible. Yeah, they, they kind of tried to uncomplicate things, although instead of there being one singular scryer, now we have a whole uh, society of scryers over yeah. in Europe, which is where all the dead Spider-Man people go when they want to take a sabbatical from the books. Yeah, yeah. Why don't they go to Brazil or someplace? It's always Europe. Well, there, there's speculation that Baby May is actually in um, the Nile River with Kane, which, well... Now that Kane's back in Amazing, well, yeah, that's that's a long story how that thought process came, but that's actually a popular fan theory. Uh, the Karin virus in this issue, which is apparently what Jackal's going to use to turn everybody into clones, it's that it's just so complicated. Yeah, it's just so they're complicating things even more because first of all, the Karin virus—they're changing what it is. Or no, it's going to make all the other people die so he could replace the world with his clones. Excuse me. I don't know, because they keep on changing this thing. Because originally, Karin, back in the um, Spectacular Spider-Man, My Wayward Son, yeah, there'll be peace when you're gone. Originally, this was just a Miles Warren clone that got left in a pod too long and he decayed and got some extra funky powers. But then when they had to retcon the fact that Miles Warren didn't clone anybody, which, whoops, that's been retconned again, they said that the Karin's actually, <laughs> yeah, they said that Karin's actually a virus, and it infected a guy named Malcolm McBride. So this Karin thing, it's actually a virus that infects you and turns you into a Karin creature. Now it supposedly kills real humans or something, It's and it's inside Shriek's body, getting ready to manifest. It's, you know, what what's going on here? You know, let's... <sighs> This thing's just kind of going off the rails, and I'm going to have to say I, – I am going to have to say D. I will agree that Bill's artwork got better, but, you know, just th- – this is a D. You know, the storyline wasn't really needed. It's it's mostly padding, and – Okay. Please explain to me, though – this is always bugging me. What happened to Ashley Kafka? Which he, when we first meet her, she's like 50 oh, cool. and fat and, and – she progressively gets younger and loses weight. Trim spa, baby. What do you get to Luke Ross? She becomes like... Yeah, I know. She she can take Mary Jane's place as a supermodel at that point. Yeah. And that that's when she gets it on with John Jameson. Yeah, yeah. And she's wearing that's sports cool. bras while she's in the hospital. She's a doctor, and she's, like, going to work in sports bras, and, like... You can trust me, Chameleon. And, like, I'm a doctor. Now for my um, review of Spectacular Spider-Man number two twenty-three. This was the this is the very first issue I ever got, ever, ever, ever. 
Um, and any first, comic book or just Spider-Man? A, any comic book. Oh, cool. Um, so I have a lot of fond memories. Uh, <clears throat> so let's go back. Let's go back. The year is late 1995, and uh, I go to – we're at the grocery store, and my father goes by the comic book rack and uh, grabs me Spectacular Spider-Man number 223 with its scarlet spider cover. And, um, I had been watching the cartoons uh, for a while, but uh, this was the first time I'd ever seen or heard of the scarlet spider and Mary Jane and how she's married and and um, you know the the whole dream sequence was awesome and had no clue who the guy with the with the white skin was carnage and who cool carnage yay and um, the jackal being a, just a pompous <laughs> the dramatic I am Parker Peter Parker um, that was huge and May, May Aunt May was dead and um, I just have a lot of fond memories of this book so. Uh, I love the, I hate them, they hate me, we're a psycho family with the slashing claw. To to run them through, I will kill my spideys too. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. He's like, and then he goes, are you ready for network television? Uh, do you think I'm ready for network television? I may not be as cuddly as that purple dinosaur, but I'll certainly murder the competition. <laughs> That actually made me groan, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I think that you're looking at these through rose-tinted glasses because of your youth. Yes, so um, I'm going to give it a solid B. Because, yeah, I'm, gi- I'm giving it the highest grade. Yes, that is my W2 form. If I knew this was your first issue, I would have given it an F like you did to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like revenge. <laughs> We're going to be so, getting to one of my first Spider-Man issues in a few months. Well, there you go. It, it it wasn't my first one, but it was like my second or third, and it was a Clone Saga one. It was uh, the power and res- no, the greatest. Re- it was the last part of Greatest Responsibility. Oh, my first was the first part of that. It's funny how a lot of our first Spider-Mans, like I'm not even making like a marriage joke here, but not only when he was married, but he was going through one of his most like notorious storylines, and we were all fans of it for years. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, my first Spider-Mans were um. The last part of Greatest Responsibility, um, the Parker Years one shot, and uh, that that god awful first issue of uh, the McFarlane uh, Spider Man uh, No Adjective, where it says "Rise above it all, doom, doom, doom." He wants to rise. He wants to rise above it all, doom, doom, doom. Rise above. Okay, that's pretty much it. Torment. Mary Jane tickles Peter Parker. Fantastic art. Horrible story. Nine variant covers. I I love I love uh You're the nice. I love the David Michelinie McFarlane run on ASM, but good god Torment was awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like I say, I am looking at it through rose tinted glasses, but I'm giving it a B. Yeah, hey, I, I'm I'm sorry. I, I know it sounds like I'm bursting your bubble when I say that, but when you tell me that you like that jackal thing, that's when I'm like, okay, dude, come on. I thought it was amusing. I find the jackal amusing throughout some of these books. Yeah. No, no, no. No, if this if this if that was his first issue and he finds it amusing, you know, we're probably no, if it's his first issue. I'm just uh, no, I got I like the jackal as a character, but I don't like some of the stuff they did with him. Yeah. 
I mean, granted, maximum cloning was maximum garbage. So, <laughs> anyway, Max, whose idea was maximum clonage anyway? Because that's just. Um, we'll get to that later on. I'll talk about that on the uh, bigger, better, more artists than you can. <laughs> more artists than the Museum of of, of Modern Art. It's yeah. probably the second worst Spider-Man story ever. Indeed. So if you guys want to um, know more Spider-Man books to keep up with for next time, uh, next month, uh, which will be our next episode, we have The Mark of Cain, which starts with uh, Web of Spider-Man 124. We're gonna, it's going to go into Amazing uh, 401, No Adjective, Issue 58. <laughs> and uh, we're also going to have another Unlimited issue. Uh, we're going to have Spider-Man Unlimited 9. Also that month, uh, we're not going to be covering it uh, yet. You know, Funeral for an Octopus number three came out. We're going to do that in a separate episode. And uh, Scarlet Spider is going to make his first uh, New Warriors cameo. He, you know, it's just going to be a cameo. He's going to join the team later, but you know, that's going to be happening. There you go. So uh, check that out for next time, those of you that are following along with us. And uh, to get the final rundown of the grades. The uh, the Web of Spider-Man issue got a B, a C, a D, and a C from all of us. Uh, across the board, A-plus for Amazing 400. The first unanimous decision I think we've had all the whole time we've had the podcast. <laughs> Probably might be our only one. Yeah, it may be. Although, um, no, never, I think that there is a big F coming up now that I think about it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the same. All right, B. Uh, B minus a B plus a B minus and a C plus for Peter Parker or I'm sorry uh, adjective with Spider Man fifty seven and then a C plus a C a D and a B for spectacular Spider Man number two twenty three so there's our grades um, no voicemails this particular uh, episode we don't uh, we had we had none. This month, I'm, I'm really kind of sad. The voicemails are kind of drying up. I think we're going to have to threaten to kill Hannah Montana again or something. Yeah. Keep, yeah, in, keep in mind, we're recording this one early. Um, this is uh, this is Sunday, January 31st, right now. Uh, we still haven't released the previous episode that we recorded, so in the interim, there may be some voicemails. You know, by the time this episode's released, but as of January 31st, no voicemails. I yeah. know how to get more voicemails. Oh. Threat, threaten to kill the cast of tw- the Twilight movies. <laughs> um, then we're going to get a voicemail from, uh, you know what? Edward is super cute and, you know, Spider-Man no, sucks. How about Jacob? What's wrong with no, you? No, no, no. No, it's Edward! Sorry. Still, still it would be like, I will cut you. <laughs> it's so funny. It sounds so nice when she says it. I will cut you. This is the um, Barbara Gordon to or sorry, this is the Barbara Gordon podcast. I just killed uh, everybody from the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast because they threatened us. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so what's that phone number, Bertoni? Two zero six three three nine five five seven zero. That's two zero six three three nine five five. Seven five five seven zero five five seven zero. I've almost got it memorized. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're uh, we're glad uh, Donovan, Jason. We're glad to have you guys on. Uh, we appreciate you coming in and uh, helping us out with this big epic four hundredth 
issue episode of Amazing or of the Clones Locker Chronicles podcast. <laughs> and uh, I'm Zach Joyner. You can uh, catch us on Spidey.com. And uh, if you got any questions, comments, you can leave us an email at clonesoccerchronicles at gmail.com. And um, guys, that about wraps it up this month. Uh, cue the bulk and skull music. <laughs> and you can hear all of our moves. Guys, we'll see, you. we'll see you next time here on the Clone Soccer Chronicles podcast. And I tell you, if, if I if I did if I don't edit this out, we're gonna get like nine one star reviews. Yeah. Well, they'll never know. Never. <laughs> Didn't Wow. Did I completely skip over this? Hold on. Did I talk about Peter and Mary Jane staying up and watching the old slides? I must have. Sk- no, yeah. Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah, I, yes. I I skipped I skipped when I was doing that. Frick. That and yeah, yeah, they have a quick make out to that session. Well, no, I I have that in my in my notes for the rundown. But when I stopped to say Jason must be seething, and I did I still yeah, but that's fine. It's it's a little scene, but I'm Frank Miller and I'm slowly going crazy. What do you mean slowly? And 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 one the one okay the one thing that I will not go uh, uh, to get back to the Spider-Man discussion for a second. Or finish up your Batman crap and then I'll go. <laughs> well, yeah, no, this, this, I don't, I don't want to take away from. Well, I, I, I apologize. Wait, am I still here? Yeah. Yes. Okay, for a second, I thought my, you know, you know, it's Detroit, so you, you never know. Um. Can you bring her back? <laughs> I can't. Can I? I'm tired. Can't. Well, what's more? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. And your arrogant. Okay, move on. Because uh, oh. we're not bringing up that dead horse enough. Oh. Um, <laughs> that, that, that dead horse it has enough carcass to last a lifetime. Well, I guess. What are you doing? Um, oh, I'm, I'm looking for my nose to see where I oh. heard about this. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sure. I type, I type mine. Uh, I didn't know I was that. Uh, it's cool. Just your mic's picking it up. Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> wow, that was perfect. My text message just did too. Or something, and that's all I heard. I, I, oh, I, I Yeah, I, I heard him say, did you get in a rack or you're going to get in a rack? Yeah, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Ashley Gawker? Wonderful. Anyway, sorry. My bad. Okay. Bye bye. Oh, oh, it's magic. With Bulk and Skull. Now it's time for Bulk and Skull. Your, your intro is awesome. You're, you guys are probably the best podcast intro. Like, I'm not even like, jacking around. Thank I you. Lo- I love how- I, I'm not going to lie. Start- I love the Top Gun intro. I love that it's like, you know. Um, well, I don't even want to know. You're a star. Oh, you must have a star.